Well, um, I wanted to uh, let you know that uh, uh, I just uh, returned from the from the from from the mission field with our fifth and sixth graders in South Dallas, and they have done amazing work down there, uh, working with Cross. Uh, with uh, Cornerstone and the ministry and uh, Viola's house, and uh, it was such a joy. I, I, I was, I was, a, I, I almost couldn't open my eyes this morning though because I was in this in this house where sheetrock was going up, and the boys. I turned on at one point. There were six fifth grade boys, all with brooms, sweeping all in the same direction, like toward each other. <laughs> and I and I realized I was like in the middle. And so uh, I'm, I'm paying the effects of that right now, not fully paying attention to what was being swept around me, but uh, it, was a, it was an amazing, amazing weekend. I want to talk to you about words for a minute. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to look, first of all, at this word, nice. Uh, the word nice. Now, at one point, I don't know if you're aware of this, but at one point, the word nice in our English language actually meant foolish or simple or silly. Now, don't go home today and start telling people, oh, you're so nice, because I know what you're doing there. All right. Fathom. I want you to just reach out your hands like this. Now, don't hit your neighbor, but just kind of reach out like this. Right? Okay, right. Okay. That, that used to be what we people, people would say was a fathom between from one fingertip to the other. So like you say, oh, well, that couch is about a fathom wide. Okay. But we don't use that word right now. Now it's like I cannot fathom the fact that you were actually downtown with 56 fifth and sixth grade boys or, you know, whatever. One more. The word silly. Now, if I were to walk over to my friend Matt Jones, who's on the front row here, who has no idea that I was actually going to mention his name, and I were to say to Matt, Matt, I think you should go home today and just tell your family how silly they really are. You, you would go, well, yes, you know my family, Randy, and that's very true. But it's not in that context that that word actually was spoken. Because years ago, silly actually, when people spoke it, had to do with blessed. How about that? That if you were silly, you were worthy or you were blessed and you have a blessed, worthy family. And a silly one too because I was hanging out with your son this weekend, so I know. Bad used to mean bad, but then it turned good, right? We know that. Sick used to mean ill, but now that's also good. Awful used to be connected to awe, that something awful was actually awesome. And then it turned bad. And now it's great. That was off, an awful lot of ice cream, which to me is sick, which can mean good. And bad, which also means good. And some of you are thinking, well, that's a really stupid way to start the sermon. And I would say, yes, if in today's student vernacular, you mean stupid by awesome. So there's all different ways that we can think about words. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask about one more word for you right now, and that is the word mellow. When you think of mellow, what comes to your mind? I've got a couple of images that might help you. What about this one? Uh, What about mellow mushroom? Any fans here of mellow mushroom? Yes? How many of you thought mellow mushroom when I said mellow? Because some of you are hungry. You're like, I am ready. Okay? There's another one. How about this one? Mellow yellow. Anybody think mellow yellow? That's like a, a bad Mountain Dew, right? Okay, we got, we got mellow yellow. Did you know, here we go, Donovan, the music artist Donovan wrote the song, they call it mellow yellow. Remember that song? Was never in a mellow yellow commercial. How about that? It was actually in a commercial for butter. 
And it was also in a commercial for, what was the other thing? Let's see, it was also in a commercial for Gap Jeans. There you go. But never for Mellow Yellow. See, right now you're already thinking this was the price of admission to 915 worship right here. Because you're going to go home with so much information. Maybe you thought about this guy right here, Carmelo Anthony. You thought, so, uh, clapping, yes. And see, I put him up there, not because Mello's in the middle of his name, but just to bring about the fact that I should mention the NBA because I'm a Rockets fan and they're still in it. So there you go. It just, it works for me, right? We got Mellow Mushroom, Mellow Yellow, Carmelo, Anthony. Or did it just take you back 40 years to just be in Mellow, you know? Maybe some of you were just thinking, ah, uh, you know, chilled out, calm, cool. I got the, the van with the shades in it and... And maybe some of you like Patrick back here working sound. I mean, you're, you, you think mellow and you think jazz because that's a word that's often descriptive of jazz music. It's mellow. I want to challenge us to think of mellow in a different way today. And I'm actually going to think of it in terms of a Greek word. And the Greek word mellow is a word that that language uses to describe what we say when we say care. To care, to show a value or interest or concern. And Matt, he showed this, this verse earlier t- today for us, 1 Peter 5, 7. And, and, and this is an incredible verse because at the end of this verse, it describes God's great value that he places on us when he says he mellows, he cares for us. In the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus actually has this uh, this. This, this description of someone who doesn't mellow well at all. And it's in John 10. It says, I am the good shepherd. He's describing himself. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for. He does not mellow the sheep. But now Jesus juxtaposes himself with the one who does not mellow with this verse. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says he cares to the point of willing to lay down his life for us. Which he did. Which we just remembered. So we took communion together. Four chapters later, he's speaking to his disciples, and he's not giving them a suggestion. He's not giving them this uh, idea that if they take it on, it would be kind of a cool thing. He actually, four chapters later, gives them a command. And in John chapter 15, verse 12, he says, hey, listen, guys, this is not just me laying my life down for you, but here we go. Get ready. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's a level of care, of mellow, a standard that Jesus calls us to, that moves us outside of how we normally might see that word. The question this morning is do we mellow? Do we care? Do we care about what God cares about? When you walked into the room this morning, what was on your heart? What what were you caring about? For some of us, 
You're thinking, you know what? I don't know how much I was really thinking about what was on God's heart. I was kind of thinking about the roof contractor estimate that I just got this week. Or maybe some of us were thinking, you know, I was thinking about what my kid posted on social media last night. And I just read it this morning. And that's what, that's what I care about. I, you know, right now, Randy, I was just more, more or less thinking about what isn't in my checking account right now. Or maybe I'm thinking about whether or not that job is really going to open up for me. Or if I'm going to have time to get my son to the game. And how long are you really going to preach this morning? Maybe some of us were thinking about whether or not the divorce papers were actually going to be filed this week. See, there's lots of things that end up on our heart. And, and so the question that I just wanted to maybe ask us this morning is, do we know what's on God's heart? Do you know what's on his heart? Because what we are to be as little Christ, as Christ followers, is to walk in a way that our life reflects what's on God's heart. Well, we know that David actually was described as a man after God's own heart. We see it in the Holy Spirit infused songs that he wrote. I mean, look at this in John, in uh, Psalm 63. It says, oh God, you are my God. He says, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for you. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I want to think right now that as I read that passage, I see David connected to the heart of God. Matter of fact, I think if David were a member of Rock Point Church, here's what's happening with David, right? He's actually, and I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but this is what I was kind of thinking right now. So if it gets feedback, it's Patrick's fault. What I think is going to happen is if David were a part of our congregation, he would be coming through these doors and he would be at 915 service with such great anticipation going, I can't wait to see what God is going to do today. I am so excited. I am so connected to his heart. Are y'all ready for this? This is going to be so awesome because we get to connect with the God Almighty. You see, that is a guy who is connected to the heart of God. And I read that in that passage. And you know what I was thinking this week? I want that. Matter of fact, not only do I want that in my life, I want that in our church's life to where we come every single week into this place with such great anticipation. What's on Jesus' heart? If you look in Isaiah 61, it's very interesting, and, and you, you, you've heard me speak about this before, this prophecy about Jesus. In Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open up the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He continues to comfort all who mourn. The amazing thing about this prophecy is that this prophecy was spoken about Jesus, who then in Luke shows up on the scene in bodily physical form, and he quotes that passage and says, I am the fulfillment of that. This is what I am going to be doing around you. And then later in John, he starts sending the disciples out to do that very thing. And then later in John, he prays for us and says, here's what you're going to do future 
believers. You're going to do these things and even greater than these things. And we are in that line of binding up the brokenhearted and bringing good news to those who desperately need it and proclaiming liberty to the captives and comforting those who mourn. Jesus did this in Matthew 9.36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think I'm beginning to see what's on Jesus' heart. It was in his heart with the last words that he spoke before he ascended in Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, we see what's on Jesus' heart from the beginning when he says the prophecy spoke that these things would be fulfilled and this is what's on my heart all the way to the end when he said, now you're going to be my witnesses all over the globe and do these things. What's on the heart of God? We're going to go deep for a minute. You know what else is on the heart of God? God is on the heart of God. He is. Because here's, here's, here's the newsflash, ready? And we know this, it's all about him. And, and we can be full of ourselves and totally miss it. And the reason why that doesn't work for us is because we're not God. But he can be full of himself because he is. And we see it. We see it in Isaiah 43. You are my witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. No God was formed before me and there will be none after me. I am Yahweh. There is no other savior but me. Here you go. Ready? I love this verse. Here's what he says to them. Listen, you ready? This is how full of God he is of himself. I alone declared, saved, and proclaimed. It's just me. So you are my witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration. And I am God. Does he not set up what we're supposed to be in the line of how that's supposed to be? He says, you're my witnesses and I'm God. You see, God is full of himself. We focus on ourselves all the time. Randy is prideful and self-absorbed. And why is that? Because you know why? Because Randy is so often tempted to place himself in the center of the story. But I'm not the main character. I'm not the main storyline. He is. He's the main story. He's the main point. He can be consumed with himself because he is God and knowing he is God and therefore can also be consumed with what he has to offer us. He says, listen, here's what I want. What I want is I want you to be consumed with me because I'm consumed with me. And I'm consumed right now with giving all of me to you that you can possibly handle in the bones and skin that is you. And so all of my goodness and grace and forgiveness and healing and salvation. But most of us walked in this morning not necessarily consumed with him. I get it. 
with what he cares about, with what's on his heart. Instead, you know what happens? We often get more consumed in ways that maybe represent Martha. A familiar passage, Luke 10, 40. But Martha was distracted with, with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. What was going on? Mary was hanging out in the living room with Jesus. And you know what she was doing? She was connecting with the heart of God. And Martha's doing the dishes. And Martha believes there's an inequity there. And she needs to bring Jesus' attention to it because obviously he has not noticed. Do you not mellow? There's the word. It's there. But it's used in a negative way. She's like, do you not mellow what's going on here, Jesus? This is not fair. Now, I know none of us have ever thought that or said it. But she did. And here's what Jesus says. He says, verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Mary, I care. I'm mellow about you. You are so focused on what, is, on what is or isn't fair. I want you to care about the relationship with me, Mary, with Martha, what Mary is connected to. So often we're like, well, this isn't fair. What she said or what he said or what they have, it isn't fair that I can't. And Jesus says, well, no, hold on. What about what's on my heart? Will you come sit down and hang out with me for a little while? Here's one more example. Mellow in a negative way. (laughs) Mark 4, 38. But he was in the stern, Jesus, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? What's happening there? They're in the storm. The disciples are hanging out there on the boat. They're a tad bit freaked out. Jesus is sound asleep. And Jesus Jesus asked them then, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Catch this. This is key. This is so very important to this story. Jesus is not rebuking them for being scared of the storm. He realizes we get scared of all kinds of things. We're human. I get it, right? I was in my master bedroom closet when the hail was pounding down on my roof last month. And it was a scary situation. But can I just tell you that that is not what Jesus was speaking to them about. You know what he was speaking to them about? Faith. Because what he realized was, They had forgotten that he told them he was taking them to the other side. And now they're like, oh, we're going to perish. And he's like, listen, what did I just tell you? Before this whole thing started, I told you I was taking you to the other side. Now, do you have faith that I'm going to do that or not? You see, As we kind of walk through this life, it's so very easy for us to get caught up in all the circumstances and all of the situations that surround us. And all those cares can weigh heavily on us and it can get really, really scary. But Jesus is telling them, listen, you think I don't care or mellow about you. I do care about you. But this is not about the storm. Situations are going to come and they're going to go. Circumstances are going to come around. And yes, I care about everything that's going on in your life. But hear this. What I want your eyes to be focused on is me. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But what I want you to do is place your faith in me. What I told you is that I was taking you to the other side of the shore. And that has not changed. 
go back to the last thing that I told you. And for some of us in here, what we have to do is just go back to the last thing that we heard Jesus say. Because we got so wound up in so much other stuff. At the risk of overloading you on Greek words, I'm going to give you one more today that makes so much sense. At least it does in my mind to this whole idea of care. It's the Greek word merimna. And it's typically used in a negative way. It's the cares of the world. It's the anxiety that we feel. It's the, it's the worry or anxiety that you felt about things as you walked in today. That you're not going to get it all done before school's out. That you got a big test. Or you got a big project at work. Or you got a relationship that's really messed up. And all of that is weighing on you. Matthew 13, 22, what does he say? As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfaithful. This is this un- unfruitful. This is this parable of the seed and the soil. And what, what, what seed gets choked out, what soil becomes unfruitful, it's the one that allows the cares, the marimna, not the mellow, the marimna of the world to choke it out, to captivate us. Luke 21, one more. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Jesus is about to leave the earth. And he's speaking to the disciples and he speaks about the last days and he says, here's the temptation that your heart gets weighted down with the cares of this life. What do you care about? What do you care about? What, what is driving you on the inside? Is it the cares that are on the heart of God? Is it mellow or is it marimna? Have my cares about the circumstances become so overwhelmed in my life that now it's all about the anxiety and worry that I feel? And can I just suggest to you that if I'm walking around carrying all of this marimna, that when God is saying, what I want to do is I want to give you a plan. I want to give you this joy. I want to give you all of me. You're like, I can't handle that right now, God. I've got too much. And it's hard for our heart to connect with the mellow of God when we're captivated by the marimna of our circumstances. As we close... I think that this verse comes around again and makes so much more sense when we look at the entirety of the, wor- of the word here. Because what Peter says, he uses both of the words. He says, casting all your care, marimna, on him because he cares mellow about you. How do we live this out today? This month, the rest of the year, how do we stay consumed with what is on the heart of God? We obviously have to stay connected to his word. We need to stay connected to believers, speak life into each other, be involved in small group, in Bible study, and all of those things. But that's also why we gave you as much of an exhaustive list as we could of some opportunities that our church offers you to serve and pray and give and share and go. 
Because here's, here's, here's the reality. You know what's on God's heart? There are, there are a multitude of things on his heart. Because there are so many needs and opportunities across our globe. And so uh, can, can we consume them all? No. Can we be even aware of them all? No. But here's what we can do. Here's what our church has done. Our church is saying, you know what? The world is a big place and God is at work all over it. But we've narrowed down some ways that you can jump in and you can mellow. And that's why we gave that to you today when you walked in. To jump in with what's on the heart of God. Because you know what? Every single one of those things on that list has to do. It connects all the way back to the Isaiah passage. And those that are in need. And those that need good news. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Uh, At at the risk of now losing the entire congregation, I'm going to ask you to pull out your phone. And as you pull out your phone, some of you already have because you've been using scripture on your phone, and that's great. I want you to text MELLOW to 797979. Just do it. This is an interactive part of the service. Most of you, texts are not costing you anything. If it is, it, it's, it's worth it. And after the service, talk to me about getting a plan that doesn't involve that. Okay. <laughs> Just text 797979. Text the word MELLOW. And when you do that, you're going to get a prompt. And that prompt is going to take you to a web page that's going to give you an opportunity to check off two boxes. And this is what we're inviting our congregation to do. We're inviting you to check off a global box and a local box. Two opportunities that you're saying, and you know, at least two, it may be more than that. You're going to say, for these two for sure, I'm going to either pray or go or share or give. I'm going to do something that moves me toward mellow to connect me to where God's heart is in the things and the opportunities and the people that God's church here as Rock Point is connected to. So as you do that, let me just say that's not all. That's a good start. But right over here against this, let's see, this wall, right back over here, there's a missions wall. You know what we've done today? What we've done is if you go to that missions wall, you'll see a video playing about all the missions that we support. But you're also going to see some cards. And every one of the people on both sides and organizations and churches on both sides of that handout are represented on the wall right back here. And you can take one of those cards and it actually has a picture of the people that are represented on that page. So you can take whatever it is, that box that you just checked, because your heart kind of connected with that as you were reading it. And you're, you know what, I'm going to take one of those cards and I'm going to put it on my desk at work or I'm going to set it uh, in the kitchen and I'm going to put those people on my, on my refrigerator and I'm going to be praying for those missionaries that we support, for that organization that we support, for that church that we helped get started. Whatever, that's going to be there. But that's not all. You know what else we got? We got a collection box right over here against this side. So see, this is going to take movement. You got to go there and you got to go here. And at some point you should probably pick up your kids. And so there's lots of stuff going on. But if you go right over here, there's a collection box. And you know what's in that collection box? Oh, by the way, here's what one of those cards looks like. It's really small. It's really cool. It's really simple, right? You can just take, take one or two of those or more. 
But then there's this little card right here. And you know what this is? This is a collection. This is how you can give to two missionaries that you met last month whenever from Belize and Dominican Republic, they were here. And you know what they left us with? A list of needs. And you know what we said to them? We said, in the month of May, because we have missionaries that are headed there in June to both of those locations, we will help you collect these items. Our church is going to help you do that. And then we're going to put them in crates and boxes, whatever, for these missions teams to get them to you. These are needs that these missionaries have right now. This is a way that you can mellow. But that's not all. If you act now. You've also got the opportunity to walk straight out those doors. See, this is like a, it's like a maze. And go sign up for Hands Across the Community because many of the action points that you can connect to in just a few weeks are on the list that you hold in your hand right now. And how cool if you connect with one of those missions organizations and your family's praying for them two weeks out before then you become the hands and feet of Jesus physically there, helping with the needs that are a part of that place. Lots of opportunities. I'll close with these stories. I, I think for many of us in the room, there are things that you are acutely aware of and, and opportunities that you just kind of see at a glance at times and you don't really have a clue what exactly all that means. There's a guy by the name of Kurt Williams, Kurt Williams uh, leads a, uh, a boys' home called Youth Reach. Uh, they operate both in uh, Houston and also in Gulf Shores, Alabama. 20, over 2,400 boys have gone through Youth Reach. These are troubled kids. Many of them have been sent to them by the court system. It's free. They go there. It doesn't cost them anything. Right? And so as these boys go, they get loved on, and then they get sent out. And there are kids right now that are serving as missionaries around the globe that started off as hoodlums and turned into passionate Jesus followers. This is one of the most successful boys' homes in the country, and our church supports them. There's a boy that I had in a student ministry that I was a part of years ago named Brett Medlin. And Brett was a mess. As a matter of fact, he was such a mess, his father and our church decided to send him to Youth Reach. So he goes. He even gets kicked out of Youth Reach a couple of times. But you know what eventually happened? God grabbed a hold of Brett's heart. And as a result of Youth Reach and all other influences on his life, he ended up becoming a missionary in Cambodia. There's his wife on the right-hand side. They drill water wells in Cambodia for people who have dirty water. These are the rock people of Cambodia who have been displaced. And they sit there in this quarry and they just break down big rocks into medium rocks, into smaller rocks, into tiny rocks, and load them onto trucks for just nominal pay. That's what they do all day long. And he came in and started a church and started giving them clean water and a place to live. And we support Brett. Next slide. You may not know Baby Chin. He's got a really cool name. And his wife, Susan. They're actually uh, missionaries in northern India. You can read about them. I encourage you to go online. Here's what they do. They minister to pastors in northern India. And there's two particular states in northern India that have the greatest amount of persecution going on there. And they are working with pastors in those two provinces, in those two states. 
and they bring them together every month for training. They bring people in to teach them and train them. They said these pastors come in on donkey. They don't even allow their wives to travel with them because it's so very dangerous just to be trained on the Bible. But you know what they told me? They were, Baby Chen was in my office just last month. He was in the States. And what he told me was, he said, Randy, he said, every one, every one of the pastors that we support, that we train, every one of them. Do you know how every one of them came to Christ, Randy? So how? He said, every one of them came to, the Christ, came to Christ in one of two ways. They either personally witnessed a miracle or Jesus came to them in a vision. Can I tell you that that is not that, that is more the norm than not in Islamic countries today. There's a supernatural work that our church actually partners in with people like Baby Chen and Susan. Next slide. The well. You know a lot of people who worship there. Did you know that they had over 400 for Easter? How cool is that? And I think about what all God is at work doing there and all the other churches that, that we support and have supported over time and either planted or helped get started. And I don't know about you, but that should just make your heart full. But you know what? They still have great needs. And you know what they need more than anything else? For us to be committed to be praying for them. Because the second and third and fourth year oftentimes of church plants become some of the hardest years. A couple more. See these kids right here? They're actually kids with an organization called the Wells of, well, well of Hope. And here's what's so cool about these kids. These kids are in the slum of Nairobi, Kenya. And the beautiful thing about these children is our, our church supports these kids through Wells of Hope. And you know what's really cool about that? It keeps these kids off the street because what our funds do is keeps them connected from the end of school all the way to whenever their, their parent or parents actually pick them up. And if they don't have that, most of the kids in the slum wind up getting trafficked. They get picked up. But you know what? These nine kids are not getting picked up. They're being loved on all the way through and taught scripture and fed healthy meals because of the partnership that's with Rock Point. One last one. Uh, Corey Largent, two more. Corey Largent works with FCA, does an amazing work in our area. Did you know that he oversees FCA in all of North Texas from middle school all the way through all universities that are they're surrounding us? An amazing partnership. They do a camp in the summer in June after school's out for hundreds of kids in Louisville. We help support that camp. And you know what happens at that camp? Kids get saved. In a public school, after school is out, where they do a Bible program along with tutoring. And at the end of two weeks, you know what they've done the last several years? They take the kids after the second week to a water park to play. But a part of that time at the water park, they're baptizing kids that got saved over the last two weeks. 30 kids got saved and baptized at the water park last year. One last one. Tim. And Krista Ashworth, we support them. They are, uh, they're in Berlin, and their, their ministry is to refugees. And there is a great, amazing, supernatural work that they are a part of right now. And what I wanted you to do is just get a glimpse. They were, they, they, they were worshiping 
at Christmas time. This video got posted. They say multiple languages in their apartment. Farsi, all different languages being worshipped. Uh, uh, all different languages as they worship together. And we can say all different things about what's happening with refugees around the globe. But this couple right here has stepped into the moment and said, we're bringing gospel to people who are hurting and displaced and trying to figure out next steps. And it looks something like this just a couple of months ago. And so they're, they're worshiping there, and, I, and I'm listening to them sing that song, and I'm with our worship team, and I'm like, oh, man, we need that song. More of you, Jesus. That's, what the, that's, that's actually what the sermon is about, that we are more connected to what's on the heart of Jesus. And these refugees in this apartment were singing that they wanted more of that. And I was thinking, oh, wow, how about if we just figure out what in the world that song is that they're singing so that we can sing that as an anthem, as a prayer? Do we just say, God, we want more of you. We don't want the marimna to overwhelm us, the anxiety and cares of this world. Instead, we want mellow to be overwhelming in our lives. And Matt's going to lead us as we sing that simple phrase together. May that be the cry of our hearts, God, that we can't get enough of you, that we are so connected to you that our hearts beat with what your heart beats for. God, that we mellow for what you mellow and that the marimna of our life fades into the background because we truly have cast all of our care on you. That we really do trust you with everything, God, so that our hearts can then be filled up to overflowing with you. And so God, even in this moment, as we uh, end by this celebration of receiving offering, God, may it not just be us putting money into a bag, but God, may it be us continually saying to you throughout the rest of this day, God, the offering of my life is to you. All that I am is to you. And so God, however you want me to pray to you and whatever you want me to share and give, wherever you want me to go, God, I'm giving this all to you because I have the capacity now to do this, God, because the marimna has faded into the distance. My life is filled to overflowing with the mellow it's on your heart.